With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Starter wasn't too much of a clue. Hi, Ian. What, what is that from, anyway? Oh, <laughs> Mission oh it's Impossible. from that show you like, isn't it? Um, um, what's her Buffy, name? Uh, something something Slayer. Yeah. Oh, Buff, Buff, Buffy Boxy Arrow, the Buffy the Werewolf Killer, something. Uh, uh, I'm Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> I've only ever seen, seen half an episode of the show, to be honest. Ah. <laughs> I did try, but it was too late at night, and I fell asleep. <laughs> it's like uh, she, <laughs> there was Giles on the screen, and <laughs> that was it. I was gone. Picking up an echo somewhere, but oh well. We shall continue on. Let's see who else is joining us on today's show. All right, sitting at the top of my list, it's Mr. Dodd Skeptical. Hello, sir. Oh wow, I'm on the top of the list. Awesome. Yes, top of the list today. You're it. <laughs> wow. Hello, sir. How are you? There you go. Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Also joining us, Jeff, the Seventh Doctor. Hello. Hello, Ian. I'm very listful today. Mm. Listful. Yes. <laughs> You're listening to one side. <laughs> <laughs> also, In other words, joining us on audio. Will it... Sorry about that. What? 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 Okay. If you don't know what listful means, it's attentive and listening. There you go. There you Sorry, go. What was that? <laughs> huh? What? What? <laughs> huh? All right. Also joining us on audio, Willis Girl is here. Hello. Hola. I guess I'm number five on the list. <laughs> I guess. Well, actually, you're number six, but we leave Dave out. Number six. Ah. Oh, no, you're five. Actually, four if you exclude Dave, which I tend to. You're top, you list, Willis, girl, you're top of my list, Willis Girl. You're top of my list. Actually, you're third, because I don't count myself. Anyway, it's getting confusing now, all these numbers. Well, we're doing a list show. <laughs> and uh, let's go to the phones. Kindar is joining us. Hello, sir. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I hope you're driving safe. 
<laughs> Always. Good, 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 good. And last but not least on the phones, it's Mr. Cuddly Ken. Greetings. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. I've got a little um, factoid for you. Yeah. Um, that I didn't actually realize until I, I watched a, a recent um, a TV movie thing they did about Kenny Everett. But that's where I got... I, I just call you Cuddly Ken because your voice is kind of cuddly, got to say. It's it's warm and inviting and cuddly. But I was a big fan of Kenny Everett, and, and so as I'm watching that, I'm like, that's where I got that from, Cuddly Ken. It just uh-huh. seemed to fit so so well. <laughs> But yes, that's that was that was his nickname on the on the radio. Okay, again. You got to be careful. Check your list of whether I am naughty or nice. I don't know. I've got you into both. Oh, depending thank on you. the day. Apropos, <laughs> very good. Alrighty, well, that's who's on audio. Let's see who's under the cone. Controls new agent training program section three point five. The cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? What? All right. Uh, we're using the small tone today. Um, Cybob's in there as basically as guest wrangler as he wrangles guest nine, which I have a sneaking suspicion is Ken's doppelganger. Uh, and guest 10 has joined us. Um, we'll uh, unmute you a little later on, guest 10. Uh, we have uh, a little bit of a policy here. We have um, had problems in the past with guest accounts. Um, so if you just hang in there uh, later on down the line, we'll probably unmute you. All right. That's enough of that. There's one person who's been uh, absent. Uh, as of late, um, but uh, yeah, we've actually got some news. So here's the typey bunky. It's news time. Go typey monkey, go! Thank you oh, very much. Well uh, and I just realized Kobo's not here. Yes, uh, so hopefully he's doing okay today. Uh, I know he's had some pain of late, and uh, yeah. But uh, let's push on with the show. Maybe he'll join us later. If not, he'll be listening later. Hello, Kobo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've got some news. Um, looking at uh, the Doctor Who news.net, there's a bunch of news articles, uh, a couple of them I'm going to touch upon. Um, we had uh, talked uh, a while back um, in, about uh, Mary Tam's autobiography and, and uh, the fact that she'd been working on uh, uh, the second generation, which is uh, what uh, the second part is called. And uh, we've actually got a uh, notice that it is going to be. Uh, it is going to be released uh, early next year. Uh, uh, Fathom, uh, oh, sorry, Phantom Publishing have announced uh, the publication of the second part of actress Mary Tam's autobiography, Second Generation, which continues on from the first volume with the late actress uh, imparting her personal re- uh, recollections of playing Romana during her final three years, uh, final three Doctor Who stories from season 16. So, um, yeah, be looking... Uh, Looking out, be looking out for that. Uh, you can also get more details on phantomfilms.co.uk, uh, and it's F-A-N-T-O-M films.co.uk, and it's under books. And of course, Mary Tam second. Um, also, um, it's 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 kind of news, uh, but uh, we've had a confirmation: the Christmas special is going to be on da, 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 Christmas Day. Uh, I guess it's news because yeah, I, I just don't really follow when these announcements come out. But apparently, normally it's a lot closer to Christmas before we find out 
whether it's going to be on Christmas Day, which uh, has there ever been one that hasn't aired on Christmas Day since they started doing them? Um, I don't <laughs> no, think they've, so. they've all been on Christmas Day. They've all been on Christmas Day, so I'm like, that's when I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, okay, it's, it's, it's news, I guess. All right, and uh, for this next news article, I'm going to ask uh, Darth if you'd slip quickly under the cone of silence, and I will put in the text chat when it is safe to emerge, as I've got some news coming up for uh, the second part of the uh, of, of, of series seven. So I'm assuming that Darth is firmly ensconced under the cone right now, and so I will continue. All right, uh, we've got, of course. Uh, uh, full rundown of the writers for the second part of Series 7. We've got, of course, Stephen Moffat. Uh, we've got Neil Cross, who's familiar to at least Dave and I, as uh, the man behind Luther. We've got Mark Gaddis, Steve Thompson, and Neil Gaiman. Uh, Mark Gaddis is writing two, Stephen Moffat's writing two, uh, Neil Cross is writing two, and Steve Thompson and uh, Neil Gaiman are writing one apiece. So there you go. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. Uh, so without any further ado, I will bring Darth back in unless anybody has any comments. Nope. Okay. Uh, I will tell them to come back in. Dave, you've got news. Uh, yes, just to remind people that uh, uh, a short while ago, the uh, cult detective in himself uh, did uh, an interview with uh, Houston Huddleston, uh, and Mike was on that one bit, the people who are restoring the Enterprise Bridge, Star Trek Enterprise Bridge restoration, they've got um, a URL that you can check out, and that is newstarship.com. Well, it's just said they've had a little bit of difficulty in uh, sorting out one of their uh, ways for people to actually help support them, um, and they have now eventually got their Kickstarter page up and running already uh, made uh, nearly five thousand dollars and that only been up a short while so if you are uh, a person that feels as though they're doing a great thing there and you've been to the new starship page they've also got a uh, page on facebook that you can like and i'm putting these links in the room as i speak and as i say uh, there are plenty of things on the uh, kickstarter page um, they have another one there. What's the other one called? Indigo or something? Indiegogo. Indiegogo. That's been up for a while, yeah. but um, so. I mean, not 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 to weigh one off against the other. The Indiegogo stuff uh, was 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 nice. They had some neat things on there. Uh, the Kickstarter campaign has definitely got some um, decent um, swag on there for you to get for your donation. Um, and actually, uh, considering I think this went up, uh, like. Oh, it yeah. of October. It went, to, uh, right. went up on uh, on Friday. And uh, they're already up to uh, uh, almost $5,000. Um, and yeah. it's still got 58 days to go. So, um, But they got some very uh, good swag on there. They're actually, because they're selling out of some of this stuff, they're going to other conventions and, you know, uh, and getting more signed items. And, uh, and uh, you know, they just added up a... a uh, Star Trek Voyager picture uh, of Andy Dick is the EMH Mark II that they've got on there. Um, and most of these, pretty decent price, really, to be honest. I mean, T-shirts are a reasonable price. They've got patterns for uh, uniforms, if you're into that kind of stuff. Uh, combat replicas. Uh, they've, yeah, they've got some really 
really nice stuff. I mean, it's a bit of something there for everyone. Uh, the Star Trek, uh, the Next Generation and Doctor Who crossover IDW comics uh, signed um, by uh, by uh, Scott Tipton and uh, Lee Woodward. Um, so, yeah, there's there's plenty on there, and, and, and go check it out, and check out, of course, our our interview that we did, and uh, it's I think it's a great thing. I mean, I'm, they've set themselves some lofty goals, and I'm hoping that they manage to attain them, and and that this thing becomes available for for you know fans to be able to access and and, and have fun with. So. Sorry, I yep, didn't mean yep. to hijack your news. No, but, absolutely not. It's I've great. Been, <laughs> I mean, the, the, I've just been wandering yeah. through the. Yeah, the. I mean, if, 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 for twenty dollars, you get a T-shirt. You know, save the yeah. bridge T-shirt and so on. And uh, the the recording we did uh, was on the twenty sixth of September. And actually, if you go to the newstarship dot com and click on the uh, in the news page, you'll see that the top of the list there, uh, the link is to the Culpton interview. Uh, and that is the top link on that page. Da, da, da. Yep. So, I mean, they're, they're, the thing that gets me is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I know this person and that person, but really these guys have actually gone out and really kind of secured some stuff. They've got um, they've got signed photographs of, of uh, William Shatner. Um, they've been talking to Mike Akuda, um, Herman Zinnemann, uh Ronald Moore. It's like, wow, they've, they've got some, some pretty nice stuff. So, yeah, check it all out and, uh, yeah, give a little, give a lot, if you like. Yeah, and Ariana Richards. Wow, I didn't realize she had uh, grown up quite so much. Cute. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. I'm getting sidetracked. Right. Sorry, Dave, I interrupted yet again. <laughs> yeah, I'll get used to it one day. I don't talk much, but when I do, it's something important, I guess. All right, I think that about wraps it up for news, doesn't it, Dave? Yeah, indeed it does, yep. Okay. All right, well, uh, if you would like to become part of the Colton Collective and uh, be interrupted by me during uh, an important news item, here's how you do it. If you enjoy listening, why not join the Collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a sick client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the Shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Alrighty then, so we're we're, we're off. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to take this away from you, Dave. Normally I hand the show over to you now, so I'm going to do so rather than stealing it. <laughs> Go ahead, it's all yours. Hey, so because you didn't know what we're going to do with it. Um, welcome everyone. Yes, uh, we've we've been spending, and if you're new, this is the first collective you're listening to back on the recording. Uh, we've just done uh, a five-week stint, six-week stint in in effect with uh, Dot Who that's just uh, finished airing on BBC America and where I'm based here in the UK, also in Canada and Australia, around the world. Uh, and so we're going back to uh, our roots, as it were, of other cult programming. And uh, one of the uh, things that we spotted, that um, there's a magazine in, in the States called uh, Entertainment Weekly that recently had the front cover with Dot Who for the first time. But on that very um, uh, magazine... 
there was also uh, their main item for that week, which was the uh, best 25 best cult TV shows from the past 25 years, according to the readers of Entertainment Weekly. And what we're going to do is go and uh, put our uh, little uh, beady eyes over that list. We're going to tear the damn thing apart, is what he's telling us. Going to tear it apart. Yeah. Uh, 25. Now, what we're going to do is uh, not a lot of us here in audio on the room, so we're not going to go turn-based on this one. Uh, what we're basically going to do is start uh, uh, from the bottom of the list at 25, work our way up to number one. I've got a, a clip of um, a few of them, which main, are mainly little trailers, because, of course, uh, there's no issue with playing trailers, because basically you are promoting the show. And uh, what we're going to ask to those people here on audio is, um, you know, if you if we get to a show and uh, we've read a little bit of bump out about it, and you may want to comment, uh, we realise, of course, not everybody will have seen all of these different shows. So we could do all 25 in 25 minutes. We could all be here in about an hour and a half. But uh, basically, we will talk about uh, exceptions to the list, things that are missing are alternatives, and Ken may even start us on a little diatribe about what is a cult program. And Kinder may be able to give us some information about that. So lots to do. Uh, the link is in the room. I'll read it out for those people listening to the thing. It's, um, from, we're going to go to the INDB uh, list. The easiest thing to do, of course, is to put into Google IMDB and put in this long little phrase, 25 best cult TV shows from the past 25 years, EU. And I think that's the easiest way of reading out the URL. Uh, I'll also say that there's um, a more graphically intense page, uh, the livejournal.com, and that is uh, oh, oh no, they didn't.livejournal.com forward slash, and here's a list of numbers. 70700-9. And if you look at that page, you can see uh, the actual mag magazine pages reproduced in all their glory. Right, uh, bottom of the pile at number 25 is uh, Pushing Daisies. So let's play a little trailer for that, and then we'll read a little bit what it says on the site, and then we'll see who in the room feels any comment about whether this should be on the list, whether they loved it, uh, any other comments that are relevant? Here we go. What if you could touch someone and bring them back to life? From the director of Men in Black and the Adams Family comes a magical, tragical show that is unlike anything you've ever seen. This is Ned, an ordinary pie maker with an extraordinary talent. I bake pies and wake the dead. I live a very sheltered life. This is Chuck, the love of his life, who he brought back to life. But there is only one way to keep her alive. You can't touch me. So it kisses out of the question. Together, with a little help. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Emerson Scott. I'm a private investigator. That's solving crimes. Sweet. One touch at a time. You touch murder victims. You ask who killed them. You touch them again. They go back to being dead. And then you cut the reward. That's it in a nutshell. If only it were that easy. You have one minute to answer a brief series of questions. Did she kill you? Was your death accidental? Who did this? Who stabbed you, Mr. Hunden? My wife. Hey, you find Harold's wife? All four of them. That's gangster love. <laughs> 
on Wednesday, October 1st at 8, 7 central. Something incredible is coming to life. You don't like their bodies, do you? Not when they sit up and talk. <laughs> it's a touch of mystery. <laughs> Spooky. A touch of adventure. <laughs> and a touch of romance. I guess you ever wouldn't kill me. the most extraordinary show you will ever see on television. Thank you for bringing me back to life. I just thought my world would be a better place if you were in it. And uh, that was uh, on ABC, as you just heard there. It ran from uh, 2007 to 2009. And I don't know if anybody else in the room knows a guy from the carry-on films called Jim Dale. But I'm sure that bloke uh, reading that trailer out just sounded like Jim Dale to me. Um, a little bit of trivia it, it for you there. It was Jim Dale. Was it? Uh-huh. Oh, brilliant. He's the narrator for the show. Didn't he also narrate so the Harry Potter on... books? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, um, and, and did voice over the video games, too. right on the show. Yeah, Blimey. you got something right. Sorry, cause Tim's I'll go to the foot of our stairs. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> brilliant. Oh, dear. Oh, it's, it's all downhill from here now. I better hand back to Ian. Uh, that's yeah, me over. Yeah, I'm going to have a lie down now. <laughs> yeah, thanks for joining us, Dave. You've been great. <laughs> uh, what did you say? Um, a pie maker with the power to bring dead people back to life solves murder mysteries with his live-again childhood sweetheart, a cynical private investigator, and a lovesick waitress. And, of course, it reminded me of True Calling, but I think True Calling... Not sure when that went out. But other than that, I haven't really got anything to comment. So, turn it over to anyone in the room who is aware of this show. I'm going to jump right in. I'd like to know one thing. I'm like Kendar. (laughs) What? Does that article say the criteria they used to determine what's a cultural? Because I'm sorry. As nice as the show is, it's way too young to qualify as a cult show. I don't know about that. One could say the same thing about Firefly. Firefly is only 10 years old. But that's the thing. For me, 10 years is the minimum. I mean, if a show is not at least 10 years old, it doesn't qualify as a cult show yet. Well, well, perhaps we can deal with that as a, as a follow-up topic. Well, not a follow-up topic, uh, when we get through the list and, and see. But it's certainly, you know, the definition of, of cult uh, programming is... Um, often been something that has been very difficult for at least Ian and my limited capacity to pin down. Well, I think we can put this to rest because we, we're going to be asking this question every time if we don't. Yes, mm-hmm. the article does, in fact, specifically say what criteria it's using. And, and basically what it's saying is um, if it's quirky, if the characters have a unique worldview, and largely if the show, and this is a lesser component of it, but largely if the show had some sort of ratings tragedy about it. Like if there's, if there's an exceptionally high difference between the critical awards that the show got and the ratings that it received, that is something that might throw it into um, 
cult status because that kind of show generates a rabid cult-like following. This is not using, I think, the definition of cult that is used to define this show. It is rather using a more mainstream idea, ironically, of what cult status is and saying there are television shows which have cult-like followings and they have these cult-like followings because the characters are particularly well-drawn or particularly unusual uh, and because there is a a gap between the quality the perceived quality of the show and the factual ratings of the show so that's what the criteria is used it is not at all what we would normally use i suppose it doesn't ha- doesn't have anything to do with it must necessarily be of a certain age it must necessarily have something to do with science fiction none of that really applies um so let's just put that to bed right now I, well, well i'm happy i'm happy i'm happy you did because otherwise i get the feeling i would have been complaining about a lot of the shows on there <laughs> Exactly. Um, I, I, I just that. put a link into the chat uh, that that's their first page, which is um, um, where they go into an explanation of you know what it is they uh, yeah yeah I, I think as as you know shows like this have become you know a little more mainstream and a little more you know geek culture is kind of getting back out there into the into the world and being a little more accepted that that I think the term gets bandied around a lot more you know in, in a lot more general terms than than it ever used to before cult a cult show was something like Doctor Who, and it was used almost as a, in, a, in a demeaning fashion, like "oh, you're into one of them things," you know. Um, now I think it's a little more loosely bandied around. <laughs> if they can, if they can take it to to, to Comic Con now, you know. <laughs> it, it's sounding like even the cult status is being mainstreamed. Well, I mean, cult I think that we're actually and a cult following, I think, are, are uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think another thing that we're seeing is that um, with the fragmentation of the television audience, there are more cult shows, period. Mm-hmm. You know, because if, if what is good in television in America, for instance, is to get 8 million people on a regular week, that's a tiny proportion of the population of the country. You know, and the reason that you're you're seeing that kind of fragmentation is that there are hundreds and hundreds of channels. So if something does, you know, like for instance, BBC America always says, oh, we're doing great with Doctor Who, it's our best show ever. But what are its ratings? Its ratings are 1.5 million. And actually 1.5 million is good for cable TV, but that, that is definitely, sorry, that's definitionally really what a cult is, a something with a small but loyal, steady uh, audience. Right, well, there, I, would, I, I would agree with that more, as well. Yeah, yeah, there simply are more cult TV programs now than there ever have been. Right. I mean, in, in here in the UK, uh, Sky, which is the predominant provider mm. of satellite programming, uh, mm. they have so many channels now that they're very rarely, apart from a big, uh, well, even actually, fact, even that is a difficult. What I was going to say is they hardly ever get a show with over a million viewers because they've got mm-hmm. so many channels. They may have. 14 or 15 or 18 million homes uh, subscribe to Sky, but those are choosing from about 150 channels. The right. ones that, will, that have the ability to go beyond a million don't because they are extra tier channels. So you've not got, you're basically paying something like $80 a month to get all these, you know, where you get all the movie channels, all the sports channels, you know, and, and all the 50 family channels and the 10 natural history ones and uh, and so on 
Uh, and of course, the, the big ones like the you know a, a big boxing match or a big sporting event, because only you know fifteen ten ten fifteen percent of their subscriber base has got the whole package with all the the higher levels on. Um, they very rarely. Um, I know because in my Sunday paper it shows the list. I mean, um, like the biggest rated show that wasn't a soap here in the UK uh, this last week was uh, New Tricks. Which is uh, you know four old fogies, uh, uh, UCOS detective agents working for the police, retired policemen, and that's BBC's biggest drama show. That's just topping uh, over four, uh, sorry, eight and a half million. Um, so, um, I mean, some people might say that's cult viewing because uh, it's people over fifty who watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, like I said, I I agree that they've defined it because definitely it's not my definition. Right. Well, Kinder, it's not quite as straightforward as that because I I just looked again on that page and actually with each of the uh, offerings it says why that particular one is a cult. So the definition of cult is not the same in each of the twenty five programs, is it? Ian? Well, at least right. there's a basis. Well, there's there's something that they've uh, a baseline, if you will. It's just because for me, having 8 million people watch a show makes a show popular, not a cult. Well, yeah, but 8 million out of 300 million? I mean, statistically, that is a tiny fraction. Yeah. All right. Any, anybody um, want to comment on the, the, the episode really the show itself? Yeah. I do! I've been trying to... <laughs> I absolutely love Pushing Daisies. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic show that was just quite, I thought, but then again, I'm not that well, quite unique at the time. It was this a completely different world, almost like a like a uh, an alternate universe fail. where where everything was uh, these bright um, colors. Uh, it reminded me a bit of. of uh, uh, of Edward Scissorhands, how everything was kind of almost kind of like this uh, 60s kind of feel, but not really. Oh, it's hard to put it. Pleasantville. But, yeah, Pleasantville, yeah. Um, but I just thought it, it was so quirky and, and neat and just kind of out there for something that was basically on, you know, on, on ABC. It was sitting on ABC, and here's these. I mean, and the situations in which these people died that he would bring back to life to question and stuff is just uh, <laughs> hilarious. Um, and and I thought the cast was fantastic. Chief McBride is brilliant in it. Um, and, of course, seeing Alan Green and Susie Kurtz, you know, back on TV, I liked, you know, I hadn't seen really in much. I mean, they'd been in stuff, but I hadn't seen him in it. And um, Kristen Chenoweth, I just think she's, what? Um, <laughs> but this whole pie shop thing, and he brings people. I don't know. It's just something that just really kind of appealed. Um, and unfortunately, you know, like a lot of things, it just didn't last very long. I'm going to read out real quick here as to they why they say it's cult. Uh, the heightened uh, artifice of it all, the uh, ornate storybook production, uh, the mile a minute screwball banter. 
Harry Potter reader Jim Dale's narration polarized audiences into love-hate camps. Those who love it swear by its, its imaginative depiction of romance defined by relational, uh, relational, not sexual, intimacy. Those who hate it say it's like watching a long, annoying Splendid commercial. <laughs> Which, you know, gives you an idea of what, you know, it's, it's just these bright colors and kind of not quite real looking, but yeah, fantastic show. I, I loved it. If you get a chance to catch it, they say here it's on Amazon Prime, iTunes. Um, I think it might still be on uh, Netflix if you if you have Netflix. I um, totally agree with you. I, I love the it, show too. It's it's so much fun to watch, and yeah, it's just a bit screwball and a bit kind of. I mean, like I said, the the, the situations you find these dead people in are just almost laughable. Um, but in a way, they're gross too. I mean, if you look at well, the page here, there's, that, there's a guy who's the grossness with this oh, yeah. whimsical be, with, be, by being very whimsical about it. Yeah, it's, That's what it's, I liked about the show. It's almost this like fairy taleish kind of quality to it, but then they got away with it. I mean, the, the picture that's on the page here is a guy who's got like a chandelier embedded in him. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and they just get away with it. And, you know, they wake these guys up from, these people up for, I, I think, it, any longer than a minute. And, and you know, he can't, I don't know, this, uh, there's rules to it. If, it's if like, he keeps them alive more than a minute, somebody else dies. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. He could touch them, but and it, and it was a vicinity-based thing. So, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's the Just type of show that would have been, I think, much better on cable right. and lasted longer. And it's, it's such yeah. a shame it, that no one picked it up. Yeah. I think that's why you see a lot more of these shows now being out there. Um, now... Cable channels are getting into more original programming where they can put on things like this and they get that uh, nice, tidy little uh, fan base going and that's that's good, you know. All right, does anybody else want to wax lyrical about uh, Pushing Daisies before we well, push the, on? Well, the obvious question to all three of you is should it be at 25 or should it be higher up the list then? I, I, I have a difficult difficulty positioning it anywhere because... It's one of those things. It's like I didn't really come across many people who liked it. I didn't get into message boards or anything about it, so I don't know how well liked it was. Um, I'm just glad it's on the list because then I get to talk about it. So the the fact that it's okay. in the, the top 25, I'm good. <laughs> uh, okay. Ian took the words out of my mouth. The cast: Susie Kurtz, Ellen Green, Kristen Chenoweth, and every now and then she did a song, which was fantastic. <laughs> And my my heart skips a beat when I see her. Um, the look of it, the uh, American werewolf in London, strange quirkiness of the dead bringing brought back to solve the cases. Uh, film noir, you know, crossed with uh, surreal fairy tale and Jim Dale's narration. It it, it was such a fun pleasure uh, to watch and. I missed the final episode, so I don't remember. Did they have an ending? I don't know. I missed it too because we got busy with life and and. and yeah, I, I hope it was resolved at the end. That's something I really want to find out. Yeah. Um, okay, Ian, do you want to move us to twenty-four then? Yep. Uh, I'll do my best. Um, and coming in at number twenty-four is Archer. 
And I'm going to have to read this out because I've never seen it. What's it about? A James Bond spoof set in a spy agency populated entirely by uh, degenerate narcissists led by Sterling Archer, a caddish super spy with severe Freudian issues. Wyatt's Cult, uh, with a brilliant voice cast that includes H. John Benjamin, Aisha Tyler, and Arrested Development matriarch Jessica Walter, the animated series is... Uh, vivacious delight. Uh, it masterfully mounts spy satire with rapid-fire jokes that references everything from Burt Reynolds to Bartleby. Uh, oh, I'm <laughs> so, has anyone seen it? I have not seen it. Oh, yeah, I have. It's Oh, it's... Uh, <laughs> I got tripped over my words there because I think I was going to use an expletive. It is amazing. Uh, yeah, it's definitely good that they have at least one animated thing on this list and that's certainly the way that I would have gone um it's uh it's kind of like um well, I the only thing I can really do is sort of use a video game metaphor it's kind of like um video game 13 uh which was one of the original sort of Xbox games that in a very contrary way decided that it was going to go with 2D animation for the Xbox, which lends it a, a surreal sort of quality. Um, and it, and 13 is sort of the same thing. It's people sort of... It's a spy world. Um, and it's one of those things that, again, if you love it, you really love it. And if you don't like it, the reason is because it's something that is outside of your normal experience. You expect for an animated thing to be I mean, there is there is obviously precedent for 2D animation. I mean, Family Guy and Simpsons are 2D. But there's not too much precedence for relatively realistic, um, but, um, but stylized at the same time kind of animation. I mean, you're, you're talking... These aren't cartoon characters. These are just um, characters with... Attitude. I mean, it could. The whole thing could be done quite easily. I think in in live action, but the fact that they've chosen to go down this animated route gives them some additional flexibility to make certain comic points. And it's it's, it's if you like James Bond, if you like spy stuff, it, it's it's great. Um, the voice cast is completely unassailable. Just really, really fabulous voice acting, um, and obviously it's a cult because you guys don't even know anything about it. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've seen it in passing on Netflix and just never gone there. I'm just so I'm aware of the at least the title. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredibly worth looking at. I think um, that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to like it. I would have thought you would have been liked it, but that doesn't mean everybody in the room would like it. Uh, but it definitely deserves to be on this list, I would have thought, it, it, as at least the token representation of um, cult animation. It is actually uh, indeed streaming on Netflix. Hmm. Well, series, series uh, let's see. Uh, Was this series four series premieres on, on FX? On Netflix. Yeah, series four premieres on FX in January. Yeah. Yep, so I might... Since, since you like it, Darth, I may have to check it out. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
I'm going to put it on my instant queue right now. How's that? We move mountains on this show. <laughs> Brilliant. Anybody else in the room wants to comment on that one as we'll move on? I actually do. I'm actually here, finally. Hi. Hello, everyone. Hey. Hi, Mike. Hi, Did you have anything to say about pushing Davis, Daisies before we, when you, before you talk no, about Archer? I've, I've never seen okay. Pushing Daisies. But um, okay. this show, Archer, I, I'm also a fan of this show. And the, the reason that I started watching it, not because of what the show was, was but, but also because of the lead writer, Adam Reed, is one of the lead mm. writers on this. And back in the early 2000s, or 2000 to 2005, there was a show that he worked on on Adult Swim on, on a Cartoon Network called Sea Lab 2021. Yeah. And that was that 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 was I love that show. It Sea Lab 2021 was an interesting show. It was kind of a mix. It was taking footage from an old NBC cartoon called Sea Lab 2020, but putting them all these characters in these just bizarre situations, and all this weird weird humor. That, and geek humor that goes on all over the place. And it was, I heard that he was working on this new show, Archer, and I started watching it. So it's it's a very similar style of humor between those two shows. And yeah, Archer is in and of itself is a is, is a great show. You have all of the as Darth mentioned there. You have the, these 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 spy characters going on all of these missions, and you have all of these these weird situations going on. And there there these memorable lines throughout several episodes. Like there was one episode where characters were dropping donuts or whatever on the floor, and Archer was shouting, "That's how you get ants!" <laughs> on one particular episode, <laughs> and that just happened throughout the episode. But yeah, Archer definitely worth it. <laughs> Oh, you. Sorry, I couldn't reach the mute button in time. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out because I, re- I do remember watching the odd episode of, of, of C Lab thinking, man, this is out there. But fun. <laughs> okay, are you done, Mike, on that? Yes, I am. Okay, well, let's move on. I'll go on to number 23. I've got a clip for this particular one. It's. Um, Better off Ted, and let's. It's only a short one, this is only 30 seconds. At Viridian Dynamics, we are one big family. Got it! Hi, balding guy. I love what you've done with the hair you have left. We value each employee. Oh, that's gonna be some paperwork. (laughs) Which is why they'll risk their lives to make yours. What does it taste like? Despair? Better. Go Viridian. Better Off Ted, an all-new series, premieres Thursday, September 24th. See it first, exclusively on Beyond. And that uh, ran from 2009 to 2010, ABC. Uh, an amicable single dad, Ted Crisp, uh, and his wife uh, in a research and development exec at a powerful mega corporation where he matches his wits with company uh, woman bot. Veronica, uh, and flirts with co-worker Linda and indulges in a pair of scientists, Phil and Lem, who develop technologies like a cure for baldness, which also happens to grow hair on every surface it touches. Uh, blended uh, zany pep with a sly satire of corporate America. This is why it's cult. When employees are set to be fired in lieu of gentle conversation. Uh, the building chatter from TV critics wasn't enough to save the show, uh, a low-rated show from cancellation. In fact, that brought you. In uh, fact, that br- that's brought to you by the emotional sadness. Didn't do that very well, did I? Never mind. I knew I'd peak right at the beginning. 
<laughs> any, any any fans? Oh yeah, uh, this is what uh, Portia de Rossi did off the back of Arrested Development, and um, I, I think that this was simply a victim of the recession because it, the whole thing was it was you know talking about having a, a job, a relatively good job at a time when people didn't have good jobs and probably made a number of people turn off the TV because they didn't want to be reminded of the thing that they had just lost. Um, it was pretty fabulous. I mean, I, I love workplace things like news radio and whatnot, and this was another in that vein. But it was in, you know, corporate America, which simply wasn't popular in 2009. Um, so the, the subject material was wrong, but the writing was great and the acting was you know, great too. So it, it was a fine show and it was sad to see that one go. Anyone else? Okay, well, some of these we'll have to rush through. Uh, we will move on. I've actually got a clip for the next one and then I'll let uh, Ian, if he's still in the room, um, talk about it. Let me just play for the Farscape team. My name is John Crichton, an astronaut, a radiation wave hit, and I got shot through a wormhole. I'm lost in some distant part of the universe on a ship, a living ship, full of strange alien life forms. Help me. Listen, please. Is there anybody out there who can hear me? I'm being hunted by an insane military commander doing everything I can. I'm just looking for a way home. And I just put Ian off his stride by saying Gigi Edgley. I'm back to the much. Oh, I said I just tried to put you off your stride, saying Gigi Edgley, and it went quiet. <laughs> no, my phone rang, and I think it, my, my my son's got kid, uh, friends over, so I had to go run the phone out to my wife. <clears throat> yes, Gigi Edgley. Hello. Um, Farscape is fantastic. I love Farscape. Um, I don't really care who doesn't like Farscape, because... I do. Um, There's no one who does not like Farscape. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I actually love Ben Browder uh, because of the the character he he, he played, um, which is why I think he was wasted in Doctor Who, but anyway, whatever. Um, I'll read what they've got in here, or did you already do that? Nope. Nope. Okay, what's it about? Uh, American astronaut John Crichton accidentally flies into another universe. Well, actually, he's doing an experiment um, uh, with his uh, module. To, uh, basically, it's a, a speed thing, I think, and uh, ends up opening up a wormhole and flying through it um, into another universe uh, where he... Basically, actually, he runs into uh, the, the spaceship of, uh, of of an alien and, uh, and kills this guy and... Uh, the captain of the main ship uh, basically starts hunting him down. He takes refuge on this other ship, uh, which is filled with uh, prisoners, um, and helps basically them escape. Um, the ship is a living ship, uh, Leviathan, um, and yeah, it's basically kind of like this quirky group of you know various aliens, uh, Cardago, uh, 
is he's got this big long tongue. Anyway, I'll read out what it says here. <laughs> uh, we lead the band of rebels on a, a sentient ship while uh, fighting an army of baddies called peacekeepers and a black leather clad wormhole obsessive named Scorpius. Why is it cult? Uh, if the wisecracking puppets <laughs> didn't make it cult, the sexy silver and blue alien babe surely did. Farscape was one of the trippiest space sagas ever, um, with portions of some episodes taking place in Triton's subconscious. Uh, yeah, uh, there's just so much love in, in this. Uh, the, the the cast were fantastic. The uh, work by uh, Jim Henson's Creature Shop uh, and Jim Henson Productions on this just push it way over the edge. Uh, you know, one of the main crew is a puppet, uh, the, the pilot of the ship who's actually grafted into the ship um, so that they kind of have the symbiotic relationship um, is, is is a puppet, but fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, sorry, it's just awesome. If you haven't seen it, uh, yeah, I believe that too is on Netflix. You can also get it on DVD. It's probably not on Blu-ray now, but you can get it on DVD for like way cheap. The box set I picked it, got it for last Christmas for I think it was like forty or fifty bucks, um, which to me is cheap for a box set. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about it. Watch it now. Anyone else? Oh yes, does uh, it matter? <laughs> love, love, love this show. It's taking the kind of thematic aspect of Buck Rogers and making it totally gonzo. Um, never seen aliens so delightful and weird in any show ever. It's Muppets Gone Wild. Um, characters who are utter villains in the beginning become heroes. Uh, relationships change. Uh, his whole relationship with Aaron Sung is Claudia Black is so fantastic, and um, the show was canceled by Sci-Fi, and blessedly they finished it with a TV movie. So we had a resolution. We found out what happened to them and their baby and to the other members of the ship. Spoilers! Spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. There's so much that happens in that show to everybody all over the place. Uh, nothing's really going to be that spoiled. It's, no. it's um, forget it, forget it, forget what I said. Um, just do yourself a favor. Get to love these these people uh, like I did. It, it, it changes every season to different thrusts about what the problem is and they they do strange they did an all animated show they did a very very strange anniversary show with with like a fantasy strange wedding and so much so much that's good they they even did an homage to this when the two uh main leads here went over to stargate yeah. they even homaged uh Farscape over on Stargate. It was so impressive and so well loved. So I can't say enough about this. Rent oh, it, buy it, hunt it down, get it. Dave mentioned that I, that I met Gigi Angela. Yep. Just saying. 
Ooh, how nice. I've, I've, I've got her, her picture up here. I've actually still got her coffee order, I think, in my wallet. I was thinking if she does show up at a future convention, I'll actually just walk in there with her coffee. Well, I am forgetting right now who is – I'm forgetting the actress's name. Who plays the wonderful blue spiritual? Oh, um <laughs> Well, while you think about that, Jeff, you put in It's Not Another Universe. Was that in relationship to this one, that remark? Yeah, I, I firmly thought that it was in our universe. Yeah, he gets shot through a wormhole, but I just took it to meaning that it was in another part of our universe or our galaxy. It is our universe. It, in the in the in the final movie, they explain it all, and, and it is in That's our right. universe. That's right. And uh, the the name you're looking for was Virginia Hay. Yes, she is. Who is who is who is just as much a flower child in real life as she appears in the. Uh, and you get a chance to, if you ever get to Galley, Gallifrey, she's there every year, ah. selling her aromatherapy. Yeah. I met her actually when I met uh, Gigi Edgley. But um, ah, beautiful. Gigi Edgley was for those of you who are, who are relatively new to this show and haven't heard me go wax lyrical about meeting. Gigi before, um, it was really really cool because uh, they the, the convention organizers um, who I was talking to they I'm like oh I'm really nervous about meeting her and they're like really oh hey <laughs> Gigi come over here what <laughs> they just landed me right in it and uh, she's like are you from New Zealand <laughs> she just picked up my accent right away which was great and then the next day when I was at her panel I asked a question and she goes oh hey Ian like and then she announced to the whole room she goes Ian's from New Zealand <laughs> it's like Sweet. <laughs> then he had trouble walking out through the door. After yes, it was a puddle on the floor. A puddle on the floor. But uh, fantastic, lovely, lovely lady. Uh, teeny tiny, but lovely lady. Uh, I remember one of the comments she made uh, that um, when she first started doing the show and, and they, they, they're releasing uh, the promotional uh, pictures um, of her character, uh, she got a strange call from her dad uh, thinking that basically she had surgery, um, because if you notice that she looks like she's got quite uh, quite a nice cleavage there, but it's actually just the blue shading. Um, <laughs> she's like, no, Dad, it's all makeup. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, she's. If you ever have a chance to see her at a convention, she's just just very down to earth and very very lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we I'm done on, for I the day, that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my son Matthew, I think he was a big fan of that. Uh, Farscape and Lex. I don't know whether people had said they were comparable, but uh, uh, I remember him enjoying both those two uh, particular shows. Okay, let me move on to number 21. Uh, but before you do that, oh, Dave, huh? I, I just want to say this was an amazing show. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, we got the Sci Fi channel where I was living. Uh, when this show went into its third season, it was in between the second and third, something like that, and I tried to watch it at that point. And the the storyline was just uh, so evolved at the time that uh, I I just couldn't pick it up. But thankfully, thankfully, Sci-Fi started to show it from the beginning every weeknight, and I started to watch it, and it was just wonderful, wonderful, and you almost have to start at the beginning to really pick the show up. The other thing I wanted to say about this is every season had a different opening um, title sequence. And 
They were all great, but the third season, in my opinion, has the best opening intro sequence of any show of all time. It was that good. Wow. Coming from now, you, are you talking is... visually, or are you talking like his intro bit? Where... Now, I, the, the whole experience, the, the monologue, the, the scenes that they show, the music, it's just fabulous. It just flows. It's wonderful. But Ben Browder can man, he can he carry a show? I tell you. <laughs> yeah, if you let him, he, he's wonderful. He's yeah. great. Yep. Okay, thanks right for now. that. Let, 21. <laughs> number twenty-one, which I've never even heard of, but I will read verbatim what it says. Party Down, uh, two thousand nine to two thousand ten, on the Stars Channel. Uh, six Hollywood wannabes slum it as a food as food caterers to the Los Angeles elite, enduring the agonies and absurdities of waiting for that big break while serving the spoiled a holes. I wonder what that means. Um, who've already made it? Why it's cult? The smart, dryly funny series featured a dream team roster of comedy actors: um, Adam Scott, Lizzie. Kaplan, Martin Starr, Jane Lynch, Megan Mullaby, is that? The premise to to a new party each week, so every episode had the opportunity to bring in new talent to the show's proverbial and actual table. But the offbeat writing shone brightest in the smaller moments when the gang was just sitting around a kitchen and bickering to pass the time. But uh, somebody tell me about it, please. Nobody has any clue. <laughs> Nobody? No. Never heard of it. Oh, well, I mean, no. it is on stars, so that makes it um, slightly less accessible. Um, right. Than, than, I mean, it's a subscription channel, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the... Yeah. They're still a movie channel, right? They're not just a. Because I mean, I haven't, been, I haven't seen stars in forever, so when I knew it, it was just you know they just did movies. But uh, I'm guessing they're doing original content. Well, let's move on because we've still got twenty okay. to go in. Yep. You want me to do twenty? Yeah, well, I thought we'd do an alternate. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, you did Fire Escape, and then you did Party Down. So hey, what do I know? <laughs> Oh, right, coming yeah. out of it. Naughty, naughty boy. <laughs> Popular from 1999 to 2001 on the WB. Uh, what's it about? Dueling Kennedy High, uh, high students, uh, head trailer Brooke McQueen and uh, reporter Sam McPherson are forced to move in together and try and play nice after their parents get engaged. Why is it cult? Popular, the sh- first show created by Ryan Murphy, was truly uh, the proto-glee, uh, while Beverly Hills, 90210, and Dawson's Creek unspooled overwrought drama and very special episodes. Popular celebrated the value of outcasts and portrayed uh, overplayed topics, homecoming, homecoming court sex, and... Uh, and secrets through an absurdist lens. Uh, yeah. Uh, has anyone seen it? Right. No. We will take quietness no. as a, a signal to move on, remember. 
Um, just by the way, if if if, if anyone out there listening back to this um, has seen any of these, feel free to go over onto our Facebook page or onto our uh, uh, our you know webpage uh, com and and you know. Put in your comments on it. You know, feel free if you, if you can't come on the live show, at least you know, give us your input. Uh, let people know why you think these shows are good if you've seen them. So, there's your options there for, you know, at least kind of getting in on this show without uh, without being in an audio. You know, drop your comments. Yeah, in. yeah. Either either on our Cultum dot com page, the Cultum Chronicles, or uh, mm-hmm. on the Facebook page. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, Todd, you take your number nineteen then. Yeah, yeah, uh, I will. Uh, uh, Todd often uh, comments on the uh, page, but doesn't often make it onto our show. But um, he he starts some great discussions there. So thank you, Todd. Yep. Yeah, let's go to uh, number nineteen, Supernatural, and I have got a clip for this one. Here we go. When I told Dad I was scared of the thing in my closet, he gave me a forty-five. What was he supposed to do? He was supposed to say, don't be afraid of the dark. Don't be afraid of the dark? Are you kidding me? Of course you should be afraid of the dark. You know what's out there. Dad's in real trouble right now. I can't do this alone. This is Dad's single most valuable possession. Everything he knows about every evil thing is in here. I think he wants us to pick up where he left off. You know, saving people. Hunting things. Tell us where our dad is. You just want to take Dad for an answer, will you? Where is he? Dad! No, he's not! He's not dead! He can't be! More and more demons are walking among us. Storm's coming. And you boys, you are smack in the middle of it. Back in 1835, Sam McCall made a gun. They say this gun can kill anything. You're never going to see your father again. He's got We got to go. Why? Because the demon knows we're in salvation, all right? It knows we've got the cult. It's got Dad. He's probably coming for us next. Good. we still got three bullets left. Let it go. This is a tough guy. We're not ready. Okay, we don't know how many of them are out there. I don't want to trade him for the gun. If that were true, why didn't they actually trade? We still have the cult. We can still finish the job. Screw the job. We got work to do. I was working to help myself. And I was slower. Each and every one of you. You're going to burn it out. Not seen this myself. We've got 2005 to present. Uh, on the CW channel. Um, what's it about? The Winchester brothers, uh, Dean uh, and Sam. By the way, Dean's played by uh, Jensen Eccles, and I do know him from uh, Dark Angel. He was uh, uh, on Dark Angel, and I think he also had a part in Smallville as well. So I've certainly uh, seen him. Uh, I think he's a pretty good actor. Uh, hunt demons, ghosts, vampires, human-eating leviathans, and the like. Uh, Currently, that list of threats is longer than ever for Dean, who was trapped in purgatory purgatory at the end of last season. Why is it cult? Uh, Supernatural began with a pretty straightforward premise. Hot guys kill spooky things. But it didn't stay that way for long. The characters have literally been to hell and back, and along the way have they woven a complicated and compelling mythology filled with friends, reoccurring foes, inside jokes... Supernatural has also, however, dedicated episodes to mocking the sillier aspects of its own existence, like its hypercritical fandom. This self-referential approach has rewarded long-time viewers and helped build a community so passionate it's almost scary. Again, volunteers? I'm going to chime in very, very briefly on this. That, um, 
I, when, um, for those of you who don't remember, uh, right about this time last year, I uh, ended up getting pneumonia and ended up being hospitalized for a couple of days, in which time I actually caught a couple of episodes of this. And actually, it, I thought it was quite good. I mean, I don't know at what point I was uh, watching it at, whether it was because they played a couple of episodes back to back. So I have no idea at what point in the series is, but it does seem very, very interesting. Um, and I really do want to get into it. It's one of those things I want to try and get my wife into watching so we can watch it together and kind of, you know, because it's fun to, for the two of us to sit there and kind of get into a series together. Uh, and it, it really does look interesting. There's some the dark humor in it um, and just this kind of interesting family dynamic. And, uh yeah, one of the episodes I watched had uh, Robert Ricardo in it is is like a leprechaun oh. type guy thing. Uh, it was funny as hell. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of X Files-ish creature of the week sometimes. From what this is just from a couple of episodes, so I could be completely off base. But um, yeah, it looks like it's. I think it deserves being. It sounds like a. a, a typical cult show to me, you know, as you know, this group of fans that just adore it. So I'm looking forward to it. It's nope. on Netflix as well for anyone who who hasn't uh hasn't got into it and, and, and wants to based off of my brilliant description off of it, you know. <laughs> well that's I've, brilliant. Well, I've I mean, been watching it from the beginning. It's a great show. Um I mean I'm probably gonna contradict what I said earlier, but it deserves to be a cult if only because it has a cult following within the TV show. Every so often, the Winchester run into fans of the Winchester. Within the show, it's, it's very well established why it's like that. But those are some of the funniest episodes when, he, when, they, when they actually go to one of the Winchester con a few years ago. Um, Every year, they're able to sort of take a new angle. They'll give you the, mo- the monster of the week thing, but they're also have an arc. And every year, they, they, they take the, the, the story in a slightly different direction. Uh, last year was the Leviathan. The year before that was the War in Heaven. Uh, you've got the demons that keep popping up this year. Uh, the arc seems to be their attempt to finally close the gates of hell. And we'll see where that goes. Okay. Was somebody else I heard trying to speak? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I, I like totally love this show. This is like this is like a stealth hit. It's been on for about eight seasons. Hopefully, it'll get up to ten, like um the uh, Superman show. Did I forgot the name of it? But um overall, this show is like fantastic. Uh, I, I totally love it. I I love all the pop culture references that are in the show. Um, last year, um, who's it? I think it was. Sam that was dating a girl named Amy Pond, so <laughs> where unfortunately she died. Everyone that he gets involved with eventually dies. And this year, his girlfriend's name is Amelia, and then I wonder if her last name will wow. be Pond or Song or whatever. <laughs> overall, overall, this is like this is a fantastic show. More people should watch it. You know, eight years, eight years going, it can't be. You know, obviously, it's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> So, it, and everyone out there, I recommend you watch Supernatural. Um, right now, it's available on Netflix, which is where I started watching it. Wow, real advocate for that. Must be Jason yeah. Eccles, wasn't it? Jason <laughs> Eccles, yeah. Yeah, the hot guys don't hurt, do they? <laughs> Basically, this is like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, only with, with dudes. 
Right. Now it's Dave like, can yeah. understand it. <laughs> yeah, it's lots of Dave. It's like Buffy. I like the fact that in the reference there it says they can poke fun at themselves because I do think that sometimes helps. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely do. There was one episode um, where I, I believe, uh, what's her name, described it, where um, they went to a uh, a con that was about Supernatural. Someone had written a book called Supernatural, and they went to the con about their about the show. <laughs> and, and then in one con- episode, they end up in an alternate dimension where they are filming the show Supernatural. Yes, that was a crazy episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Red Dwarf do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or will be after. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks for that, Willis Girl. Okay. Unless anybody wants to talk, I think, Ian, you should take us on. Alrighty then. Let's see if I can find the right browser window. <laughs> what number are we up to? 18. 18. Okay. Well, I know that's nothing I think about, so hopefully somebody can fill us in. Wonder shows them. Uh, from 2005 to 2006. Screen on MTV2. Which is why I didn't see it. Uh, the thoroughly twisted parody of an educational children's show had adorable little kids saying dark, bizarre, and otherwise age inappropriate things, often while dressed as historical figures like Hitler and Little Dead Pope. Uh, <laughs> how wrong was it? Take the children, uh, take the music video uh, featuring children dancing around to a catchy song with lyrics. Uh, with with these lyrics, slaves built the pyramids, slaves built the Parthenons, slaves built America, slaves, this is your song, thank you, slaves. Uh, why is it cult? Because the letter A stood for anti-establishment, and new levels of subversiveness were achieved each week. It was the type of show that you'd watch in delighted disbelief while thinking, is this really happening on a network owned by a giant corporation? So anybody on Wonder Showson? I've seen Wonder Showson. <laughs> I was like, "Where is Mike?" <laughs> yes, I've seen Wonder Showson. It's, it's a. Uh, oh, I have a bit of that song actually. Yep, that's that song. <laughs> uh, somebody Chosen, came prepared. <laughs> yes, I did. See, Wonder Chosen was this really weird show that was obviously a parody of shows like Sesame Street and other kids shows. It was it was filmed as a kids show. It had these kid characters. It had these puppet characters. But the situations they got into and all of the humor, the things they talked about, it was not at all a kids show. It had some really dark humor. Um... Let's just say that there was a there was a there was a segment there's there was a segment with two puppet number characters six and nine and I will leave it there. Yes, it went there. Anyway, but yeah, this it, it, this show went on for two seasons and just each episode was more bizarre and out there than the previous one. It seemed like uh, each show had had a theme where. There were these different educational type segments, you know, kind of like what you would see on Sesame Street and shows like that. And uh, but you know the, what they were talking about, 
they had this one recurring segment where they had this one puppet character going around and asking people in the street, you know, sort of, you know, that, you know just, you know, asking people in the street different questions and getting, getting the, the having this, you know, a segment like that. And, you know, the questions were just really bizarre and random and no one understood the questions. It was funny seeing the responses. But yeah, it was, it was a really bizarre show and I loved it because it was so bizarre. So yeah, Wonder Shows and it's a uh, apparent. I don't think it's on Netflix. It's just on DVD right now. But uh, if you can find it, it's 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 really bizarre and really dark humor. But I like it. Okay, thank you, Mike. And I will second that. It's um, ah. this is a. It's it's kind of weird to think that you would find a cult show on MTV because MTV is supposed to be the arbiter of everything that, in a way, is mainstream. But yet, I think what qualifies it is this idea that it is incredibly anarchical, um, and it's it's glorious. It's really, it's kind of like um, um, look around you, um, a British thing which is a, a riff on educational film strips and things of the 70s and 80s that you would have found in a, a slightly older audience but still would have been educationally based like you know all those stupid educational films that you would have had to sit through when you were i don't know in dave's class um probably <laughs> um you know the, the sort of high school level if that was mocking high school level inter, um educate edutainment i guess we call it um then this was certainly mocking the Sesame Street crowd, um, and it was quite brilliant. Um, if you're looking at this magazine, you really don't need to look at anything more than the picture that's there, which is of a little kid dressed as Hitler trying to interview somebody else. That's pretty much how screwed up this thing was. Great stuff. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Looks like a young Prince Harry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's move on then. Um, we're up to number 17, Fringe, and we've got a trailer for a trailer for season three, our series three. We put Agent Scott in a drug-induced coma. I found a connection to what's happened to Agent Scott. What happened on the plane is just the beginning. You should know what you're getting into. Most of what I'm about to show you has not been made public. Things like mind control, teleportation, astral projection, invisibility, reanimation. Reanimation. I'm the co-creator of Lost and the writers of Transformers. You know what's great about that is that it's completely insane. Comes the year's most anticipated new series. And that is Fringe, 2008 to the present day, Fox. What's it all about? Agent Olivia Dunham and her team, including kookball scientist Walter Bishop and his son Peter, investigate crimes involving Fringe science. Why is it cult? It was conceived as a mass appeal genre uh, procedural with a background in mythology that wouldn't detract from Monster of the Week episodes. Think X-Files, except, well, think X-Files. But the mythology overtook the monsters following the revelation of a parallel universe. By its third season, Fringe was overpopulated by multiple versions of every character. 
Unfortunately, that increasingly narrative complexity has steadily pigeonholed it as a niche show. Uh, on iTunes, DVD, Blu-ray, the fifth and final season premieres on Fox, just premiered on Fox, by the way, uh, in September the 28th at 9pm. So it's currently in its final season run. Yes, and please note spoilers for like the last season or, 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 or the start of this season, please. I'm, I'm, behind, I'm woefully, woefully behind. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I love the show. I'll leave it at that. I just love the show. Great characters, great action, great mystery. Uh, slightly off kilter, but I, to me that adds to the appeal of the show. Uh, and almost every season, they're able to make it fresh again. Okay, I'll go next. Then. Is it, um, go on. I mean, uh, if if you've listened to enough um, of the Calvin Collective, uh, you will have heard me um, uh, talk about that show before. Um, I was not so much into uh, Anna Torov as, as Olivia Dunham until uh, at one point um, she asked to pretend basically that she's been embodied by uh, one of the other characters, William Bell, who was played by Leonard Nimoy and does a fantastic job of of just pulling that whole thing off. Uh, up until that point, I wasn't really that into her. I was like, eh, she's all right. Yeah. The rest of the cast, I thought were fabulous. But once she did that, I was like, she had me sold on her. I was like, okay, yeah, I'd buy that. Um, I, I mean, I, I think the stories are really good, but I really kind of watch it more for the actors. Uh, Joshua Jackson is fantastic and freaking hot. Um, Jessica Nicole as Astrid, uh, same. She's fantastic and hot. Uh, John Noble is fantastic. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> and um, Lance Reddick, I could listen to that man talk forever. He's fantastic. I mean, all the cast really. I think that you know, um, even down to the the, the uh, characters who've been killed off and come back and whatever. Uh, Kirk Acevedo, uh, who plays Charlie Francis. Uh, he, I think he's died multiple times in this show. Uh, he, he, yeah. It, everybody's great in this. Um, I think it's a, a great show, and uh, and yeah, I'm just going to be sad to see it come to an end. But I, I think they've done a really good job putting this whole thing together, and and yeah, I've, I've just really enjoyed it. And I, I suggest if. if if you haven't had a chance, then you know now's the time to really kind of get into it because you know that there's sometimes it's fun to know that you can get into a show and and watch it from beginning to end and then kind of be done rather than like oh well I can't commit to an ongoing narrative where I have to tune in every week. You can actually sit there and watch you know a season at a time if you want and then know that you're going to come to the end really quick and and you know. Uh, that sometimes is, is is quite nice to be able to do, but yeah, I really recommend watching it. It I think it really kind of finds its feet towards the end of the series too. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth watching. You know, Darth. Um, yeah, I mean, this one is for me sort of on the borderline of being. 
cult, just like, I don't, I don't know if I would put Lost in the cult vein. I mean, I know that this didn't have quite as many viewers as Lost did, but, I mean, still, it it seemed reasonably popular, and if it took a slightly more, less popular route towards the end of its run, well, that's it, that makes it an interesting bit of television. But I don't think that you could say that the first two years were cultish really at all. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's a good show, but I'm not sure how much I think it should be on this list. And we can just and let me just say that in advance, don't come to me for X Files. That's not cult. Nor is Star Trek Next Generation. That's not cult. Nor is um, what the hell else is up here? Lost. Definitely not cult. So, spoiler warning. That's the rest of the list. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. We've got sixteen left to go. <laughs> That's all right. Well, the, no, just jump in when you have yeah, one just, you want I, to comment on. Yeah, I just knew that you had a that we talked earlier, I think a year or two ago about it. So I wasn't sure if you had anything to say. But it's good. But I mean, again, the, the real question here is whether it meets the definition of cult, and I don't think it meets even this list definition of cult. So it is interesting, though, because I mean, one of the things that is unique about this show, I suppose, is that it took a turn, a deliberate turn towards something that would reduce its audience. And they had to know it was going to reduce their audience. And and they they chose to go that way anyway. Right. Um, I, what I don't know about it is whether five seasons was the limit or not, because, I mean, this is J.J. Abrams thing, and he tends to work on things for a little bit of time and then moves on to something else. So I don't know, is it prematurely ending because it slipped into a slightly more obscure narrative, or is it ending at basically the point where, you know, give or take a season, they expected it to go? Right. I mean, five is 100, right? Five is 100 episodes, so that's what you need for your syndication. So it still is a success. And I think, to me, a part of what, even with this list definition, a part of what makes something a cult is... I, I just strongly feel like it, it can't be something that could go into syndication. It's got to be something that is four seasons or less to me, because otherwise it's just, you know, it, it's something that is a success and made financial success. So I don't know. Well, the only thing I can take from that, Ian, is we can go into syndication now. We've got about 317 episodes here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if we don't have any other fringers, we can uh, move on to number 16. Um, Will this go? Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I also like Fringe, and I like to watch it and pretend that John Noble is the doctor. Maybe more (laughs) in a, maybe like a Tom Baker-esque doctor. John Noble is fantastic. (laughs) I love his character. If they ever decide to skew older, I think you'd make a great doctor. Next. Okay. Next. Okay, moving on to number 16, Undeclared, uh, from 2001 to 2002 on Fox. Uh, College freshmen in Northern California, including Seth Rogen, uh, Jay Brocknell, and uh, Charlie Hunan, uh, deal with, uh, well, being college freshmen. Why is it cult? 
as much as we bow down to freaks and geeks, it too often overshadows this shorter-lived uh, John Aptow series, uh, which was hilarious in its own right. In addition to cementing many of the Aptovian universe's central players, Rogan, Jason Segal, da 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 the half-hour comedy gets props for replacing cliches of campus life with more realistic concerns. Okay. Anyone? Well, you can immediately see why it's on the list. I mean, it's, it, you know, because of, the, okay, the magazine we're talking about is Entertainment Weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Entertainment Weekly is in love with whatever um, is the latest bit of good comedy on the American scene. Apatow is sort of the current um, guru of, um, I guess, American comedy, sort of. So therefore, all they're doing is going back and looking at his past works and finding the obscure thing that is him. Um, It's sort of hip to say that this is good. It is good. It's not great, though. I don't, you know, as as a big fan of cult comedy, I don't really think that this deserves to be on the list. And I think that the only reason that it's on the list is because of Apatow's inclusion, really. Righty. Okay. Anyone else? And Seth Rogen. I mean, we can't put him out. He's obviously flavor of the year as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's move on because we have got quite a few to cover and there's mm-hmm. some that will no doubt dwell on longer. Yeah. Okay, number 15 then, Community, uh, 2009 to the present, NBC. Uh, technically, it's about a group of oddball community college students who form a study group. But it's actually about seven unlikely friends held by cocky ex-lawyer Jeff Winger who spend all their time paintballing, pillow fighting, parodying movies and uh, occasionally exchanging longing, sorry, longing romantic glances. Why is it cult? The series' affinity for ambitious high-concept storylines, uh, meta-humour and the constant pop culture allusions has helped to turn the kind of fervent fan following so it's higher-rated comedic competitors must envy. On iTunes, Hulu Plus and DVD, Season 4 started on October the 19th on NBC, goes out at 8.30pm in the evenings. And I'm assuming, by the way, guys, when it says 8.30, are these, uh, are these Eastern Daylight Times or Californian Times? They're both. It says Usually, when something says 8.30 or whatever, it, it means 8.30 Eastern and 8.30 uh, Oh, local Western. time. Yeah. 8.30 Western. Not eight, No, it won't be 8.30 everywhere. It'll be 7.30, what, 7.30 Central? Um, I'm not sure about, I've never really been sure about Mountain Time, what that is. Um, but it, it'll Jet, be, it's Jet. also 8.30. Usually, an, a straight-up network, a broadcast terrestrial network, is usually the same time. It's usually Central Time for Hawaii. Not that anybody needs to know that, but Alaska is Eastern Time and Hawaii is Central Time. So, this is a 7.30 show for us, is what I'm saying. Right, yeah. Any any fans of the show? Yes, I I really like the show a lot. Um, The storylines are great. They've sent up 
Apocalypse Now, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It's it's a real subtle mix of humor and a really nifty offshoot of it. There is a Doctor Who show within a show that two characters are totally in love with called Inspector Space Time that they've gone so far as to have a web series for it on YouTube and they've uh, even picked who the other... Um, they're on the 11th Inspector Space Time now and they've shown the actors that have been the other 10 Inspector Space Times. So I really suggest checking that out. It's a great Doctor Who parody and a lot of fun. Uh, Chevy Chase does great work on the show and I really recommend it if you haven't caught it. And it definitely goes under the aspect of cult series. It's always struggling to stay on, but the fans have letter-writing campaigns, have kept it on the air, and they've just changed the showrunner for it. So that's been problematic with it, but it has uh, gone to its now fourth season. So it's... Um, still uh, gathering enough uh, ratings and enough fans to keep it on the air. Okay, anyone else? Yeah, I mean, I'll get in here because, yeah, this is kind of crazy this show is on this list in 30 Rock, isn't it? I guess that what they're trying to say is that this is, um, well, it's fewer seasons and I suppose it's slightly less accolades than 30 Rock, because pretty much everybody agrees that 30 Rock is fundamentally one of the best comedy shows that's ever been written. Um, but maybe because 30 Rock has lasted for a few more seasons now, and it's, you know, we're past the stage of, oh my God, is it going to get renewed? Um, that it no longer feels quite so culty. But really, 30 Rock doesn't have that much more in terms of viewership than community does. I think the only reason the community here is is on this list is because um, it feels slightly more geeky. It's not really any more geeky than 30 Rock. It just feels like it because the references are almost exclusively, or the cult, pop cultural references have a lot to do with geeky things and this whole Inspector Space Time thing that, that puts it... Seemingly more in a cult area, but really, I mean, if you look at the two humors and you you stack an average script of Thirty Rock next to a, a, a community script, uh, I think you would find as many obscure references in both. It's just that Thirty Rock tends to be references about uh, obscure comedy things or about giving people who are slightly more obscure these days, like Tim Conway a guest starring role. Um, but it, it's very, both of these shows do some great things for American comedy in that they, I mean, they rehabilitate old performers, which I think is a marvelous thing. I mean, you got Chevy Chase who, you know, through a lot of his own fault, got screwed out of the industry for a while, um, finding his way back onto NBC of all stations. I mean, this is the station that he completely screwed. You know, he he walked out on his contract with um, Saturday Night Live, largely, I think, because of drugs. I mean, he was just off his head, I think, at the time. But um, it, it's crazy, kind of, that uh, he's back on the same network 
and yet he's actually in a better position than he really ever was when you know he was on NBC in the 70s. Um, and you know the same way 30 Rock is you know bringing on Tim Conway and bringing on Betty White and bringing people who um are are giants of the industry and still alive but we have kind of forgotten about well maybe not so much Betty White but Tim Conway I think got forgotten about a little bit um I it I'm 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 a little confused again exactly why community is here and not 30 Rock because they're so much of the cut from the same cloth uh, but um, it, it's good that it's here, I suppose. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure that you could. Again, I think I think this is sort of the representative thing for Thursday night on NBC because I think you could have as easily put Parks and Recreation here, um, or Thirty Rock, and it would have probably been okay. I think they're just again putting this here because it seems to have slightly. You know, 30 Rock makes a lot of jokes about Star Wars. This makes jokes about Doctor Who. Doctor Who is slightly more obscure, so this one, I think, wins some points, basically. Okay. Just putting something in text for Ian to just check out. Um, anybody else want to comment on this one before we go to number 14, uh, which is Battlestar Galactica? Um, and we're just, just, I'm just confirming with Ian about how far through this list we'll be able to get on today's call. Um but uh, while uh, in thinks about that, let me just uh, play the intro to well, this next one. I've yeah, I answered you in the text, so so but go ahead, play the clip. Okay, right. Yeah. Well, the the reason I mentioned that is we don't want to go right to the last three or four. We either want to stop or go all the way to the end. That's what I was trying to okay. say. Okay, number 14 is Battlestar Galactica. Uh, A little bit of a long clip. I might just break off this one before it gets to the end. Moments ago, this ship received word. The Cylon attack against our home world is underway. Humanity's children are returning home today. It had been years since anyone had heard from the Cylons. And in an instant, everything we knew was gone. There are less than 50,000 of us left. This war is over. We lost. Now we're on the run. Yes, we're tired. Yes, the Cylons keep coming after us time after time. And yes, we are still expected to do our job. Our enemy, our own creation, is a bigger threat than we'd ever imagined. There is at least one Cylon board in the Galactica. No mistakes. Now be careful out there. People are getting crazy. Clear your heads. You said you had a way of detecting human from Cylon. Do you or don't you? Humanity's very spiralized in your head. You're still acting like you're everyone's best friend. Be careful out there. Good hunting is what you say. You wake up somewhere you don't know why you got there or anything. You're drunk. You heard the rumors. Silence who look like human sleep just hiding in the fleet. I'm getting a bad feeling about where to and I'll stop it at that point because it just is a little bit long. It's, um, of course, the uh, remake of uh, Battlestar Galactica 2004 to 2009 on the fully named Sithy Channel. Um, what's it all about? Uh, this reboot uh, of this short lived sci fi series from the late 
uh, 70s, uh, the one that Ken I know will probably want to mention and bring into this. Uh, trace the weary struggles uh, of President uh, of the... Of the <laughs> skip that bit. Uh, and their human band as they strive to find Earth to defeat the eventual vengeful synthetic silence. Why is it cult? The original uh, series has fiercely loyal following, but the exec producer Ronald D. Moore expanded the show's central premise into an addictive post-9-11 parable and one of the most critically acclaimed series of the decade, uh, so on and so forth. And I'll leave it at that again. We're not trying to read all this magazine. Uh, we're just using it as the basis for our thing. Uh, Mike, unfortunately, Mike's not on audio, but uh, he's got the actual magazine, and I'm sure he would tell you it was worth buying for this article alone. Ian? Um, I don't have an awful lot to say about uh, the show. I do plan on giving it another shot at some point. It's in my queue on, on Netflix to watch because it is on their streaming. Um, but I did try at least twice to get into it at the time that it was showing and uh, and it wasn't successful for me. Um I'm not saying that it's good, bad, or otherwise, just it, you know, maybe I wasn't at the right place to, to watch it. I mean, some, some shows don't hit you until much later, you know. Um, so... I will skip any other further comments because I know there are people on here that actually really love this show, so I'll let them <laughs> fill people in. Anyone? Oh, we've lost. I just noticed we've lost Ken on the voice. That I was expecting him to chime in quickly there. Well, I'll step in the void then and argue for the uh, other side. I knew it was coming in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a fundamental tragedy of this list that this is number 14. This is the finest uh, hour of dramatic television of anything that's on this list. Um, that's not to say it should be number one. I personally think as we get to it, you know, a comedy deserves to be number one. But for this to be number 14 is really quite a slap in the face. As you just pointed out, it is probably the most um, critically acclaimed show on the list um and not just in terms of you know like Buffy okay Buffy won a lot of Emmys but they were you know makeup they were technical Emmys they weren't you know competitive um what am i trying to say the uh, I'll say technical one is competitive uh, competitive artistic uh, is that the right category i don't know what but not director not actor not you know writing um, the big is Right, what most people consider to be the biggies, I suppose, um, not technical. Um, so, and not just that, but it also won an impressive amount of BAFTAs too. I mean, don't forget this was a British American a co-venture, and on both sides of the Atlantic, with in the highest um, uh, awards-making bodies on both sides of the Atlantic, it kicked ass, and so it, it's. I, I don't even see how you can plausibly argue it's number 14. That's just... That should that be in the top five or so. It, it, it should... Basically, I think it should be number two. But it's certainly... There is no dramatic television series on this list that is anywhere close to the beauty of this show. Just nothing... It's not even, it's not even a question. They're not even in the same league. 
I mean, Fringe is not in the same league as Battlestar Galactica. Um, Battlestar Galactica is as good as it gets in terms of serial storytelling. And I know that there are some people who to this day are disappointed with the very ending. But in terms of the ride and the journey that we were all taken on, if you start at the beginning, 95% of the ending is completely satisfactory. Um, I, I, I can't really heap enough praise on this show. Um, I can, uh, and and in, not only that, but it deserves to be called a cult because only four seasons. You know, I mean, and, and a few movies here and there or whatever, but and, and the follow-up series, but the series, the follow-up didn't go anywhere really. Um, but just a masterpiece or master class in how to take an old property and turn it into something really new. I mean, completely fresh, completely relevant to the times. It couldn't have come at a better time. The the, the language of, of the article here saying, oh, it was a um, you know post-9-11 thing, that's absolutely true. I mean, it, it that wasn't the intent. It certainly was in production before that, and certainly the storyline dates back to the 70s. It was, in some ways, well, it was. It was a total coincidence that you had this thing you know, coming out at the same time of the 9-11 attacks and therefore being more relevant. But nevertheless, that is what happened, and it was exactly what people were, uh, some people were kind of looking for um, at that time. Um, a, a sort of fantasy in which it was dark with the the reality of what was going on in our worlds. I mean, it really... Um, you know, a star thing too, and it had lots of interesting and intricate um, morality about the nature of machinery and how we interact with machinery. And do we, you know, is this computer revolution, which you know back then was only sort of starting, you know, the, the whole internet um, boom, and you know, what, what, what kind of privacy we might have on the internet? Is it good to be? as connected as we are is danger in being as connected as we are. Um, it, so, you know, it's not just that it was about nine 11. It was also about fears of um, what the internet might be forcing us to give up as human beings. Um, and so that, that's an interesting part of it too, is I, I just think it was an incredibly relevant tale at the time and you know i i don't know it might not be something that if you watched it outside of that time that you're going to like um it is an incredibly dense thing i think it is like farscape probably though i've never really gotten into farscape i think it is like that in the sense that if you come into uh, season three maybe um you'll be lost certainly season four i think you'll be lost if you start with that um, but I think you could come in to season one or season two anywhere, kind of, and get the gist of it and, and get started. And we're not talking about a massive commitment of time because there are only four seasons. Um, and the story does progress incredibly well. I mean, the things that are paced out are great. I think, the, you know, at the time, what was frustrating to people was this business that's going on with Doctor Who nowadays, where 
you know, it had started out as a thing. I guess it started as a miniseries, and then it was a while before the series was commissioned. That made sense to people. Um, and then you had like, you know, the season one is 13 episodes, and then it was followed relatively quickly by season two, and those weren't really broken up. But then once you started to get into season three and season four, you had this the, the split season thing. And that is a part of why I think maybe some people had fatigue with it, because it's a show that kind of demands to be watched on DVD, really. I mean, it deserves to be watched chapter after chapter. And so when you have waited for a long time for the somewhat criticized ending of the show, um, in, in a sense, you've lost some of the momentum that you had going into it. Um, and, it, you know, I think that there was a, a, an actual calendar year, pretty much, between the start of Series 4 and the ending of Series 4. And that's an awful long time for people to keep their eye on an intricate plot. And so at the end, I think people were just like, I don't know, maybe this didn't work out as well as I think it did. But it, I think if you go back and you watch it in a more sequential way, which is pretty much the only way you can do it now, I think it comes across in a in a much better way. Not to say that I think there was anything particularly wrong with the ending on the day that I saw it, but that is a common criticism that you'll hear from people is that the ending sort of didn't quite complete the circle in the way that they wanted to. But I, I just I, I just think it's one of the greatest achievements on television ever. Really, I mean, it's far better to me than you know Doctor Who or um, just about any other show. It's a real narrative achievement. Oh, this was a different... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, I just, I liked it, but I don't think it belongs on the list. It was way too popular to qualify as a cult. Way too popular. How do you figure that? It was on Sky in the UK and it was on um, Sci-Fi in the US. That's hardly mainstream area. Well, then maybe Canada was different, but it was everywhere in Canada. I mean, it was a very popular show up here. Well, okay. And as for the ending, it was just half an hour too long. If that cut the last half hour, it would have been a great ending. I, I don't know if you can really compare this show with, uh, let, let's say, Doctor Who. They're two different types of shows. Mm, I don't I mean, know about that. Um, Battlestar Galactica is more of a soap opery type science fiction show. Uh, it's very dark and gritty. Doctor Who is light and fluffy and supposed to be comedic and I, I just don't see where you can compare them too much. The the reason I compare them is because of um uh Russell T. Davies' own comparison. Uh, it was he specifically said in about two thousand six, you know, that he was not going down a Battlestar Galactica route because of the fact that that might lose some people along the way. And there's a he, he therefore took a different route to serial storytelling, and then Moffat took yet another uh, route to serial storytelling that I think was a lot closer to the Battlestar Galactica model. I mean, yes, sure, 
they are aimed at different audiences, but they are still basically two science fiction programs that are trying to um, tell a serial story in some way that is satisfying to audiences. And I think on that basis of how successful they are at um, telling a serial story, there is a, a point of comparison because Russell T. Davies himself made that point. Um, so, I, I mean, I, that's all I would say. I mean, I, I understand your point that they are not aimed at the same place, but they are constructed narratively in a lot of similar ways. And especially, you know, when you consider what's happening now to Doctor Who and how that is being um, broken up in terms of its um, broadcast schedule in exactly the same way that Battlestar Galactica was in its last two series and what impact that might have had on the viewing audience for Battlestar Galactica and what impact we are seeing that it has for the Doctor Who audience. Um, so there, there are a number of points of comparison, even though they are fundamentally different shows. Yeah, I'm just looking at it uh, from a dramatic type of view. You know, I don't see Doctor Who as that kind of show. Mm, well, but I mean, just think about the Stephen Moffat era and how that has had a narrative running through it. And then compare that to the 13 episodes of Series 1 of Battlestar Galactica. Which narrative was more satisfying? I don't think there's any question, but that the narrative more satisfying was Battlestar Galactica Series 1. 13 episodes, both an hour long, both a drama, both told in a serial fashion. Compare Series 5 of Doctor Who to Series 1 of Battlestar Galactica, and one is very clearly the superior narrative. Yeah, I don't see Series 5 of Doctor Who that way, though. You don't see it as a serial narrative? Really? No. no I mean, there's a, there's a background story running through it, but you had a lot of individual stories in there that, I, in my opinion, it, it didn't add a lot to the overarching story plot of that series. Where Season 1 of Battlestar Galactica was... Very serialized. I mean, you start at uh, at the beginning of one episode where you left off at the uh, episode before it. Uh, it was just yeah. it ran together as as one story. Where I just don't. I mean, th- there is elements of that to Doctor Who series five, but but you had a lot of individual stories that uh, didn't add a lot to that storyline, in my opinion. Like Vincent and the Doctor, I, I don't see it there. Or um, uh, let's see, uh, Amy's Choice. I, I don't see a lot of adding to the over overarching story in those story in those individual episodes. Mm, I don't know about that. I mean, Amy's Choice is obviously important to the whole through line of whether or not Rory would be the kind of guy that Amy could be with and therefore there's some poignancy added to him in the last episode being the centurion that waits there for thousands of years um and it, you, yeah, you could take not the story as, out of that though and i don't think you would have a change i don't know it i mean it's already shaky enough the reason why amy and rory are at all together to take out the one episode that actually speaks to that at all uh, seems to me to be a precarious thing to do in terms of narrative structure. But, you know. But on I mean, the flip side, yeah. I really liked Amy's Choice. I thought it was one of the best episodes of that series. Again, I, I don't mm. think it added a lot. But I, I think we've gotten off the topic there a bit. 
Well, no, I mean, it's, I mean, this is a part of, uh, I think, an exploration of what makes Battlestar Galactica work. And, you know, you might not like the point of comparison with Doctor Who, but I think you could look to other shows that have a, a uh, serial narrative and you could say, you know what, that's pretty good. Let's compare it to, you know, something else that kind of is on the list. I mean, we've got Star Trek Next Generation coming up. That's, of course, not serial, but it leads to Deep Space Nine, which is, you know, another Ronald D. Moore thing. Um, and, you know, that certainly has a, a narrative, a serial narrative structure that is more prevalent in later seasons than in early. But if you look yes. at season seven of Deep Space Nine, I think that's a very fair point of comparison to Battlestar Galactica Series 1, because those are essentially... The, you know, contempor- um, sequential in Ronald D. Moore's uh, work record. I mean, you know, he did Deep Space Nine Series 7, then he comes over to Battlestar Galactica Series 1. You know, that's how it works. Yeah, um, I think that's and, a very fair comparison there. Yeah, yeah. And that in that, I think you'd have to say Battlestar Galactica, hands down. Absolutely. I mean, even though... I'm, and you know that I love Deep Space Nine Series 7. I mean, it's, it's just fundamentally some of the greatest television ever. But Series one of, of Battlestar Galactica beats it. It just does. I mean, on, on every level. I mean, it's like take, you know, the best part of uh, Deep Space Nine and collide it with, say, series three of West Wing. You know, when Aaron Sorkin is still in charge, when, you know, it's firing on all cylinders, you put those two things together and that's what Battlestar Galactica is. And that's why it's the best thing on this list, I think. Okay, yeah, let me I, just I, interject, uh, guys. I mean, and hmm. I don't want to cut you off completely, but uh, we, there's been some text discussion going on, and obviously hmm. the people like Kinnar can't see that. Um, we're, we're having a little bit of concern with the other timetable issues that Ian has uh, of actually getting to the end of this list um, within the current time limit we have for today's show. Uh, we don't want to go and, and, and just leave ourselves with half a dozen, so... Although I'm not going to cut anybody off in the next five or ten minutes, I just wanted to make people in the room aware and uh, that the text has been going on. And we, we think either at this point or after we've talked about this one, or Ian, if he wants to just extend it a couple of more and, and finish off with the last 10 or 12 for not next week, because next week we'll be doing our um, Halloween episode. Uh, uh, episode 174 will be Vampires Cult Them By Its Back. And we can't really move that one because it's at the Halloween weekend. But uh, you say something, Ian, and then we'll go back yeah. to the discussion. Yeah, I think we're going we're gonna to save the rest of this list. I knew that coming up to, to Battlestar Galactica that we'd have people who want to talk about it, and um, and, and, and I was proved correct. Um, but unfortunately, um, I'm on a bit of a time clinch today as, uh, as I'm... Um, uh, directing, Lovey. for a show. I'm directing a show, you know. Um, so uh, unfortunately, I can't stay very long, and I'm the one holding the door open in the room. Um, but yes, as Dave said, um, if you guys want to continue talking about it for another yeah, ten minutes or so, that's fine. And uh, but I just don't think we'd uh, we'd be rushing through the next couple at least uh, to, to to get ourselves down to a, a, a you know a lower number. So I think we'll cut it off after the discussion on this. So yeah, if you guys uh, have any more to add, go for it. I definitely think this should be one of the top five in this list. Uh, it was just a wonderful series. Uh, I, I did see it from the beginning. I had uh, some concerns 
because I was an original Battlestar Galactica fan, uh, and I, a lot of people didn't like it because it was so different from the original series, but I actually embraced it. It was it was just just fabulous. Uh, I think it did wander a bit uh, in in storyline, uh, especially into the third and fourth seasons. Uh, I was satisfied with the conclusion, though. I, I thought that they did come around and have a, a nice circle there uh, with the storyline. And Ian, please give it another try. It it is just fabulous. It is it is very. I think soap opery at times, uh, but it's very also dramatic and gritty, and uh, it's it's a nice um, change of pace, if you will, from a lot of other shows. Nice. It didn't like you on 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 Netflix. But it's just one of those things. Where it's like I I I feel I have to be ready to watch it. You know, I just keep thinking, eh, no. I'll, I'll and, and, do, and and do start it. See, with the first uh, story, oh, yeah. with the, with the miniseries, um, you you have to because a lot of things are established there, and that first season is a ride. It, it's it's wonderful. One episode to the next it is just uh, it has so much tension in it, uh, especially the first few episodes. Uh, a lot of tension, a lot of. Um, just a lot of action and grittiness, and uh, I, I think you'll like it. Just just give it a try. Yep. Um, Willis Girl, you've put something in text. Do you want to come on and say anything about that? Um, yeah, it's just that I, I, um, I, I'm watching it right now currently on Netflix, and I can see how people can, can you know, say that it's a good show, but me, I just feel uncomfortable with this undercurrent of religiosity in, in the show. It's like all things are according to scripture and this person is the chosen one and all that, and that just makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. Um, maybe that's because I pretty much grew up atheist, and I, I just feel uncomfortable with anything that seems overly religious, even though it's sort of based on, up on, on a um, made-up religion of the show, but overall, I can see how people like it, but I just feel, you know, uncomfortable with the, you know, the religiousness in it, in it, in the show. Well, that was very prevalent in the, in the original series, wasn't it? It was basically Moses leading his people out of, wasn't it? I mean, that was... I, I can barely almost... remember the original series. I was a kid when it was on, but I did watch it. But where Long Green was captain, wasn't it? Wasn't it almost like the tribes of Abraham... Yeah, well, the guy I mean, that created it, Glendale Larson, he was, was like a Mormon, and he was looking at the show as being like a Mormon parable. Yeah. That's exactly it. Right. Yeah, but, I mean, it, you haven't seen it all the way to the end, then, I take it. Right, that's correct. I'm still watching it right oh, now. Okay. Well, I think, you know, if you hang in there, you'll um, you'll not be as... Well... Uncomfortable with the religious element. Let's put it that way. Things things do, do develop with that storyline, as with everything. I mean, I think that all of the storylines that are begun in the miniseries are in some way resolved by the final episode. Well, see, I get there. Uh, uh, now that, you that's... mentioned there was a, a TV movie. Is does that is that integrated into the storyline? As it 
does it follow on 10 years down the line or is it something you can watch separately no it picks up right from the miniseries movie right they, they, they originally had a miniseries just to see if it would work as a concept and the next episode picks up right from that miniseries Right, but I don't know. I don't know which TV movie you talked about because there are well, t- well, not TV, but the, uh, I know you mentioned when you when you were having your talk, you said about them being different. That there was the series, and then there was a specials or something. Oh, well, no, yeah. there, there were some some special events, I guess you could call them, that sort of happened throughout the run, um, and then there was one thing that followed on after the very end of the series, but yet even though it followed on afterwards, it was set chronologically at a different point in the history. Um, so as far as I know, there's nothing chronologically after the last right. episode. I don't think there could be really anything chronologically oh, after. Yeah. So, but there's, I mean, well, there's things to deal with there and, the, you know, there's the, the fact that you have some narratives that are, uh, you know, so-called, um, I guess, Canonical narratives in comic books. Um, you know, you've got you've got kind of a a broad universe with Battlestar Galactica in the same sense that you would with Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever. Right, and I should just warn people if they do go to the uh, the the actual page link that we put in, uh, there are slight spoilers to the storyline in the actual summation of uh, the Battlestar Galactica one. And so, uh, you know, that's why we've not read everything. Uh, about each particular episode when we we've been dealing with that. Now we are coming up on the two-hour mark. So, um, uh, anybody else want? If if we are going to stop at this particular point, then uh, resume in two weeks' time. Uh, anybody want to add anything more to the the great chat that we've had with these guys? I don't know if the Kinder is able to speak at the moment, or whether Ian wants to uh, have any further say on this. I've got nothing to say on, but I've said what I had to say about Battlestar Galactica, and I've got okay. no problem with coming back to the the, the list in two weeks. Thank you. I just don't think I think it would be because usually we've done this before. We have had some experience with list on Cultum, and uh, <laughs> the further the further you go towards the top of the list in general, the usually you spend more time on each particular episode. So although we're halfway through, it doesn't necessarily mean we would get to the top half in anywhere near the same sort of time. So I've got a feeling that um, even with a, a news light episode in two weeks' time, remember, so if you're listening to this, this is episode 173, we'll be resuming this on 175, with episode 174 coming in between, our Halloween one on vampires, cult them bites back. And there may, of course, be other non-live shows in between there but that will be the it will be numbered episode 175 the second half of this yeah, I mean, I would, um, sorry there's been a bit of a uh, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the only thing I wanted to add was uh, there were a couple TV movies that they did do uh, in the run of Battlestar Galactica that kind of they, what they did is they went back and they kind of filled in the storyline a little bit. They expounded uh-huh. on something that happened um, maybe a little bit before where they currently were in the series. And they also did have a direct-to-DVD movie that uh, 
kind of flipped the story around a little bit and, and gave it from the perspective of the Cylons on what happened at various stages in the series itself. Hmm. Oh, thanks for that clarification. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, if, you're, if you're comparing it to say, uh, oh, what the hell's the name of that? that show that I don't like. Um, Babylon 5? There we go. That's the one. Uh, I think Babylon 5 doesn't it end with um, like a series, not exactly a series, but multiple movies that... Yeah, they did. The narrative. They did five, but I it, think. But it, but isn't that all extending the narrative outward? No, like, no. no. Actually, they, okay. they, they did do some where they went back and they did do some that went forward. Oh. Okay. And, and then they they had another couple series actually that they tried. Well, one series that they did do for I think twelve episodes, and then I was Crusade. And then they tried to do a third series that uh, they filmed the pilot, and that was it with that one. Oh, but one okay. thing, one thing about <laughs> Babylon Five that I really did like is uh, they they filled out the story from beginning to end before they f- start filming. Now, they did have to make some changes as they went, but they were minor changes. They knew where the characters were going to end up at the end of the story before they began filming. And I wish they would have done that more with Battlestar Galactica. I think that would have given a more satisfactory ending to that show. Uh, and I think there were, fans would have been more happy with it. I, I know some people were not. Yeah, that's that was always hard to do though because I think that they were getting um, screwed a little bit by sci-fi. Probably so. And what what commitments that sci-fi was willing to give them? So I, th- I think the the way that it went was Ronaldie Moore had a pretty good idea of where he was going, but he had contingency plans based on you know do we get renewed for twenty episodes? Do we get renewed for? 13, you know, what are we exactly doing? And then sci-fi came through and they, you know, threw him the wrench of, okay, we're going to separate this season now. So you've got to do it. You've got to have a mid-season cliffhanger where you weren't necessarily expecting to have it. You know, the, the triumph for me about Star Galactica is given what was going on behind the scenes, that it is in any way as cohesive as it is, is amazing, really. I mean, I think that I think that Battlestar Galactica was produced under conditions that are much more prevalent and much more normal in American television production. And to attempt something that is that integrated and that is that serial, and to largely pull it off, is a tribute to the skills of Ronald D. Moore and his team. And especially when you take when you compare, I, th- I think the the best point of comparison that you could probably make. Um, is is lost to Battlestar Galactica. I think that's fair in terms of you know the behind the scenes thing, in terms of the commitment by the uh, broadcaster, um, and it, it still is slightly disadvantageous to Battlestar Galactica. BSG, you know, had to put together a relatively more complicated financial package, and you know, have this sky thing, and you know, make a British co-production and that's a little bit more tenuous than just saying, okay, we're selling our thing to ABC and ABC pays the money for it. And there you go. You know, you got one production company and you're done. Um, the uh, comparison though, between lost and, and BSG, I think just shows the 
the difference in having a showrunner that sticks around for the entire time as opposed to, you know, having a creator and a sort of producer or whatever that starts it but then somewhat leaves it and doesn't really know where the hell any of it's going. I mean, Lost is a mess. Let's just let's just frankly say that. It did pose some interesting questions. It would keep you coming back. But I don't think there is anybody out there who doesn't believe Lost at the end was a total mess. Whereas Battlestar Galactica, you have some people who are slightly you know, angry about the way that it came out. But by and large, I think that Battlestar Galactica kept its fans through to the penultimate episode. I think you can say that. It's only the final episode that in any way causes people problems. And I think like um, was said earlier, it's, it's maybe only even the last 10 minutes of the last episode. Which is pretty incredible, given again the realities of the situation uh, in which it was produced. So I don't know. And the, the other thing about this list that kind of bothers me, since I've got the floor now, is that Battlestar Galactica is 14, but Next Generation is above it. That's stupid. That's fundamentally stupid because you know Battlestar Galactica is a deliberate um, reinvention of Next Gen. I mean, it is a reaction against Next Gen and and all the storytelling limitations that are placed on Next Gen. And, you know, there there's no way in God's green earth that Star Trek The Next Damn Generation is better than Battlestar Galactica. That is a ridiculous statement. Well, I'm going to stop you there because people yeah. listening to the recording, if you disagree with that, come on our show live in a fortnight's time, two weeks' time on episode 175. And uh, prepare to argue your case. Reasoned arguments will be listened to. Let's get ready to rumble. Sorry. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. All right. Thank you, everybody, for showing up today. As uh, they said, we'll be back in two weeks' time with us, but uh, join us next week uh, as we sink our teeth into vampires as Cultum fights back. All right. You done, Dave? Yep, indeed. <laughs> all right. Uh, again, thank you all for joining us. And uh, until next time, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave AC. It's goodbye from Ian, Director Bissett. <laughs> so you there. Doctor, what the heck? <laughs> goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.